are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers. My guest today on the show, you know him, you love him, the 49ers beat writer for The Athletic, the great Mr. Matt Barrows. Matt, thank you so much for joining me today. Brian, thank you for having me today. Always a fun time. One thing I want to ask, and training camp, I'm sure it's a grind for the writers just as much as the players sometimes, maybe not as physically demanding, but I want to know how much sunscreen does a guy like Matt Barrows go through in a typical training camp? A lot. Uh, I do a uh, a pre-lube before I leave the house, and then I just do a, a touch-up before I hit the field. But uh, yeah, that's you. You have to stock up on the sunscreen before you go out. I've uh, I've actually graduated to the bucket hat this year. This is my first oh. year going full bucket. Um, I used to be a baseball cap guy, probably like a lot of your listeners out there. You you, you figure, oh, I'm wearing the the baseball cap. I'm fine with that. But it really doesn't get like the the sides of your face very well. It doesn't get the back of your neck very yeah. well. It doesn't get the top of your ears very well. So um, it's full bucket now. So I, I've, I've basically given up uh, on, on trying to look cool, and now it's just about sun protection. Yeah, you're at that age, pre-lube and full bucket. You, just, you know, sometimes it's, it's just <laughs> that's the way it goes. Pre-lube and full bucket. Yeah, we should put uh, we should make T-shirts. Uh, we probably make a fortune. There may be some hashtags. Uh, and when I tweet this out on a Tuesday morning, um, how has practice changed this year? from the strength and conditioning program side of things, it sure seems like there's been a lot fewer injuries, soft tissue things and stuff to this point. Yeah, I mean, there's only been, uh, knock on wood, one major injury, and that was to Capron Lewis Moore, who was a, a backup defensive lineman. He had a, a groin tear. Uh, but, um, you know, no other really significant ones. And, and there have been eight practices so far. So I, I would think that the 49ers, obviously, they'd love to have a clean slate, but would consider that um, progress um, over previous off seasons, and uh, it's different because they're they're really conscious of um, a guy's snap count. For example, all of the players who missed the spring practices, for example, had a very gradual ramp up in terms of their their repetitions uh, in the summer. I think most of them are probably at full speed uh, by now, but. Uh, they were conscious of that. Um, they, they didn't kind of just throw them into the deep end of the pool right away. And then there's also been a gradual ramp up in the uh, the duration of the practices. And, and the first one uh, back uh, a couple of Saturdays ago was was very short. It was like 85 minutes, if that, uh, not even an hour and a half. And and uh, they uh, they varied in length, but. They're trying to game it. They're trying to figure out, okay, if we do three padded practices in a row, then maybe on day four we should have a brief or more brief practice. So they're trying to find, um, you know, uh, an algorithm. That, that's the the word that Kyle Shanahan used to, to predict when these injuries usually occur and to kind of uh, shorten things on those days. You love that there's at least some science behind it and a rhyme or reason to why they're doing things the way they are, and they obviously needed to make a change. I think they pretty much had to, and it sounds like that change uh, might have been for the good, judging by the early parts of camp. Do you think that continues into the games, the preseason games, or do you think it's more of a situation where they're holding them back now, trying to make sure everyone's healthy and, and ramping up to that game, and then 
things will be as normal when it comes to snap counts, when it comes to normal preseason usage, or do you think they'll be dialed way back in the games as well? I'm not sure. I mean, uh, my, my sense is that it's going to be the same idea uh, throughout uh, not just the preseason, but throughout the year. I mean, sort of monitoring uh, you know, how much a player is running in practice. They all, all have these GPS devices in their shoulder pads that tell them you know, who logs the most distance, um, who's out there the longest, who runs the fastest, who reaches the highest speed, et cetera, et cetera. So I think all of that is going to be looked at uh, they've been collecting that, that sort of stuff for years, but uh, I, I'm not sure they really ha- have it, uh, used those numbers, like I said, to uh, create that, this algorithm that, that kind of tells them, okay, it's time for Kendrick Bourne to uh, have a very uh, minimal practice because he ran X amount on Tuesday, that sort of thing. So uh, I, I think uh, maybe not quite to the degree as it was in the first week of training camp, when they're all kind of coming off a, a month-long break, but I'm sure that idea is going to be used throughout the season. It seems as though Jimmy Garoppolo had alternated days of looking sort of rusty to looking sharp early on in camp, and it's usually the case that the defense gets off to a quicker start than the offense in training camp, but even with how good the defensive front has been and should be for the 49ers this year, including 2019 Defensive Rookie of the Year, Nick Bosa. Has the offense and Jimmy G in particular picked it up as camp has sort of moved along? Yeah, I think so. I mean, they're working on different things from day to day. So it's hard to look at one day, a Wednesday practice, for example, and come to any big conclusions. And he has looked rusty at times and looked a lot better at others. Um, I don't think that he's thrown an interception yet, which I think is a, a very positive for him. Um, but, um, you know, it, I think it's going to be a case where um, you've got two factors going on. You've got the defense, which always looks better than the offense at this point, and you've got Jimmy Garoppolo working off of rust, uh, working rust off of, of himself, rather, um, you know, especially when it comes to these 11 on 11 situations, which he hadn't done since, um, you know, uh, he had that injury in week three. So, those are the two main factors, I think, if, if Jimmy Garoppolo did look a little bit slow uh, on the uptake early on. Um, he, he looked really good in the last two practices, for example, uh, that they'll get back at it on, uh, on Tuesday. So uh, we'll have to see then. But I don't think that that's uh, a big concern moving forward. I do want to get back to the offensive side of the ball, some depth issues on the offensive line and that wide receiver group, how that camp competition the best competition in camp is going and seems to be getting tighter and i want to get to the rookies as well coming up sponsorship for locked on 49ers is brought to you in part by manscaped who is number one in men's below the belt grooming you may have seen them on shark tank manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code locked on at manscaped.com that's 20 percent at manscaped.com with promo code locked on. Are you losing sleep at night over your unfiled tax returns or the large amount you owe the IRS or any other state tax agency? Does it feel like you're trapped and that these tax problems will never go away? Are you worried the IRS will garnish your bank account or your wages? Be free and put these tax problems behind you. Greg's Tax Service is your local tax resolution specialist. 
Greg's tax service has been in business for over 25 years and is passionate about helping clients resolve their tax issues and get them all the deductions and credits they are entitled to when preparing their tax returns. Call or text Greg's Tax Service at 925-778-4871 to set up an appointment to find out the best options available to free you from your tax problems. Again, that's 925-778-4871 or make an appointment online at gregstaxservice.com. And if you qualify, they can help you settle with the IRS for less than the full amount you owe. Remember, Greg's Tax Service, for all your tax needs, Greg's Tax Service is your local tax advocate standing up and defending the rights of taxpayers. Uh, Real quick on the defensive side of the ball, you know, multiple reports about how good that defensive line has looked. Just as far as rookies go and how Nick Bosa has played in camp, beating veterans, beating young guys, beating just about everybody he's going up against, what would you put Nick Bosa if you had to rank him amongst some of the, the rookies that you've seen in 49ers camp over the years? Yeah, I mean, uh, right up there, um, you know, Alden Smith jumps out to me. Patrick Willis jumps out to me. Um, Trent Brown actually looked really good in his rookie camp. He was a seventh-round pick, but uh, you wouldn't know it for, from how he uh, looked in his first training camp. Uh, so, I mean, uh, Alden Smith is, is the apples-to-apples comparison because they both were you know, essentially defensive ends. I think they, they called Alden Smith an outside linebacker, but... Um, you know, and they're different players in that Alden Smith was like a, you know, rolling ball of butcher knives. He was, he was so physical. Uh, he would hack away a, uh, offensive tackle's arms just with kind of strength and, and ferocity. And he was a hard guy to block. Uh, Nick Bosa is much more technical. Uh, there was one, it was just a, a fantastic play that I think really kind of, uh, encapsulates who Nick Bosa is, what, what kind of player he is. At the end of one of the recent practices, 11-on-11 drills, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo dropped back to pass. It was Bosa versus Joe Staley. Joe Staley puts his arms up uh, to block Nick Bosa, and, and Bosa basically catches both of Staley's hands in his own and very quickly kind of swats them to the side in his pass Staley. And it wasn't uh, a, uh, a violent uh, movement by by any stretch, but it was just very smooth and very technical, and that's who he is at this point. I mean, he's been working on that. Um, you know, I, I've written a story about how he would uh, you know follow his brother Joey to Ohio State when Nick was still in high school and sit in on some of those uh, those defensive. Um, meeting room uh, meetings and, and kind of go over that with the uh, defensive line coach there who's you know one of the best guys at what he does. So, you know, he's been working on NFL-level things since he was a junior in high school, and, and that's what you're seeing uh, in his first training camp. There's another rookie that's been making some waves and getting a ton of reps. I don't know if it's earned or just because of the depth at linebacker, but what have you seen from Fifth rounder, Jare Greenlaw, the undersized athletic linebacker out of Arkansas. Yeah, he's uh, he's all over the field. Whenever there's a good play, and, and you look at the number, it's 57, and that's been Dre Greenlaw. Um, you know, you, you can't say anything bad about him. He's been good in coverage. He's been good in run defense. He's done whatever they've asked him to do. Um, 
you know, uh, the, the the cliche, the best uh, ability is availability. He was one of the very few draft picks who was on hand for every single practice in the spring. And he benefited from the fact that, uh, you know, Quan Alexander wasn't out there. Uh, Fred Warner wasn't playing at that point. Um, a couple of other nicks and bruises kept guys out here and there. But he was there for every single practice. And um, that uh, so he, he goes into the summer period with a lot of momentum, and uh, you know the same things happen. He hasn't missed any practices. He's out there all the time. He's learning all the time. He just looks very good and very active. That's been a uh, sort of a, a pleasant surprise group. I mean, Fred Warner has looked really good, uh, especially in coverage. Uh, Malcolm Smith, a guy that a lot of people have written off. Uh, because of his injury history with this team, he's looked good too. Uh, so they're going to have some difficult decisions, I think, at that position. And, uh, you know, Drake, Greg Greenlaw is one of the guys that are making those decisions so hard. The one thing I saw with Drake Greenlaw that I thought he would struggle at least early in his career was taking on blocks. Has it been a physical enough practice to where you could see him take on blocks, especially if those defensive ends are going to be lining up a little bit wider, funneling uh, everything to the linebackers? If he's taking on guards with ferocity and with power and able to shed those blocks and get in on tackles, or is it more about he's free to, to roam and run around, or is it something we're not going to be able to see until we get into those preseason games? Yeah, that is, it's a great point, and, and tackling is another question mark that we're not going to see until the preseason, and, and tackling was a uh, a big issue for this team, obviously, in the, in the first half of last season. And, uh, you know, the, the 49ers have a type that they like at, at inside linebacker. They like the fast guy. They like the guy who's good in coverage. A lot of times uh, they're, they're picking guys who don't have the, the best tackling history. Reuben Foster really struggled with that last year. Quan Alexander has struggled with that uh, in his career. Uh, Fred Warner was probably a little bit better than those guys have been, but uh, there were games where, where he had a lot of missed tackles as well, and uh, that may have been uh, a bit of an issue for Dre Greenlaw, too. And uh, unfortunately, it's not anything that we're able to see. I mean, they're uh, able to hit these guys, hit the ball carrier, thud them, as they say, but not wrap them up and bring them to the ground, which, of course, is the, the essence of tackling and, and what is what they struggled with uh, early last season. So, uh, you know, it, it very well may be that this is going to be something that they have to basically work through uh, during the regular season because there's very little time to work on it. Everybody's so scared of injuries, and rightly so, uh, during the preseason. Matt, I got to ask you the obligatory question about the defensive backfield. It's one of the questions coming into camp. Is it any clearer now who's winning that right cornerback job opposite Richard Sherman and who's going to be out there at free safety? In your most recent article at The Athletic, possibly Tarverius Moore has already passed Adrian Colbert at free safety. Jimmy Ward likely to be the guy when he's back and healthy because the 49ers just love him. But then Robert Solid had a weird quote about Tarverius Morris saying he's nowhere near ready. So I, I just don't really know what to think there. Yeah, I mean, uh, they're obviously trying to give Tarverius Moore as many repetitions as possible so that he is ready. Uh, I, I think if they wanted Adrian Colbert to be the starter, um, you know, they wouldn't be having him play with the second unit right now, which is what he's basically doing. Uh, you know, we all remember when... Tarverius Moore got his first uh, first team reps uh, l- last week. You know, in, in the span of the practices since, he's gone from you know basically splitting the first team reps with Colbert 
to getting, you know, they were all but maybe two or three in the most recent practice on Sunday that he got. So, um, you know, they're, they obviously want him to get up to speed. They want him to be the, the number two. And when you're the number two behind Jimmy Ward, there's <laughs> a pretty good chance that you're going to be the number one at, at, at some point. And that seems to be what is the driving force behind this. They want to give uh, Tarverius more as many reps as possible so that uh, if he does have to come in and be the starter, he's, uh, he's ready for it. Um, and at, at the same time, um, they, they removed Jimmy Ward from Pup. Um, he's still healing from the, uh, the broken clavicle that he suffered in May, but uh, they want him in the, in the walkthroughs that, that take place uh, before the morning practice and in the afternoon. Uh, and when he goes through those walkthroughs, he's, he's with the first teamers. So, you know, that tells me that it, almost as soon as he's ready to practice, He's going to be back out with the ones again, and, and they see him as the uh, the starter on September 8 in Tampa. With the right cornerback spot, is it as simple as it's Akello's job until Verrett proves he's either better or healthy enough to jump in and take that? Yeah, although uh, Verrett, ironically, has been the, the more healthy of the two in the, in the most recent practices. He's almost up to, if he's not up to the uh, you know full allotment, of snaps, uh, no longer on a pitch count. He's very close, and uh, it's been Witherspoon who's been out the last couple of practices with a, uh, a gluteus maximus injury. So I, I don't know what the uh, the timing on that is. I'm not sure if I've ever covered uh, one of those injuries before, but um, you know that's giving. Uh, you know, when training camp began, I thought, gee, there's really no way for Verrett to overtake Witherspoon here because. You know, Verrett was going to be coming back slowly from his Achilles. Witherspoon had a very good spring and a very good opening to training camp. There wasn't a lot of space, I didn't think, for Verrett to win this. Um, but uh, if Witherspoon is out for an extended period, there's the uh, there's the opening that Verrett needs to to come in and uh, and and steal away that starting spot. He's looked good the last couple of practices. Very quick, uh, exactly what you would expect. Uh, struggles with size sometimes in the red zone, which is also exactly what you would expect. So, you know, I, I think if, if if Witherspoon continued to play like he has been, uh, continue to practice at, at such a high level, uh, he'd be the guy with Verrett being the, uh, the number three cornerback and probably the first substitute at both the outside and nickel. I want to talk a little offensive line here with you, Matt, and I have some concerns there with depth because I love the starting five. The continuity of bringing back an entire starting unit from the year before I think is great. But who starts at center with Weston Richburg out? And the other question would be who's the swing tackle if, God forbid, something happened to Joe Staley or Mike McGlinchey? Yeah, well, it's going to be Ben Garland. I mean, he's taken all of the uh, the, the first team reps at center since the spring. And, um, you know, he's, he's probably not anyone's first choice for that position. He's a lot like Mike Person was uh, last year, sort of uh, a vagabond who's, who's been around um, but who's smart and reliable, and, and that's why they've got him at center. And, and, he's, and he's played under Kyle Shanahan in the past, so he's familiar with the offense. And, you know, there's, there's a bit of a, a silver lining in that, in that, you know, he has taken all of these reps with Richburg out. So if, uh, if there were to be an injury to Richburg during the season, which – which happened last year and which cost the 49ers perhaps a game, um, you would have somebody who's got a lot of experience coming in 
and playing that spot. And then at that tackle, um, it's been Sean Coleman, who's, uh, I, I, to, to me at least, is pretty much all alone, I think, uh, you know, in the competition to be that swing tackle. Uh, they used a six-round pick on Justin School. I, <clears throat> excuse me, I think School's got uh, a lot more work to do um, in order to be a uh, an NFL tackle at this point. The best battle in camp is the wide receivers, and I got to ask Matt about that next. This episode is brought to you in part by Greg's Tax Service. They can help clients with all of their tax needs. Honest, straightforward, Greg's Tax Service has been in the business for 25 years. They can help with back taxes, IRS collection, audit representation, and unfiled tax returns. Go to gregstaxservice.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Five Star Painting, a neighborly company. Five Star Painting is looking for new owners to join their growing company. Could this be the perfect opportunity for you? Are you driven? Do you have the heartbeat of an entrepreneur? If you're interested in running your own business, text Five Star to 87000 right now to learn more. Choosing to start your business with Five Star Painting means setting yourself up for success by surrounding yourself with the best in the business and the best at business. With five-star painting, you'll be your own boss, pick your own territory, set your own hours, and live a better quality of life running a business that you can be proud of. You'll have access to the best resources to help you scale your business to meet your personal and professional goals, and you will go home every day with the satisfaction of helping your customers enhance and maintain the beauty of their homes. Neighborly has empowered more than 3,700 entrepreneurs to achieve their dreams and goals through local business ownership. No one knows the home service industry better than neighborly. Whether you've been thinking about starting your own business or you've already been running your own painting company, text 5STAR to 87000 to learn more about how a 5STAR painting franchise can help you get where you want to go faster than going it alone. And I will say it is pretty cool going into business for yourself, betting on yourself and seeing something grow, whether it's painting or podcasting. Again, text 5STAR to 87000 to learn more about the neighborly brand's that may be available in your area, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. So the wide receiver competition, I think, is my favorite to watch, and I think it's dominated the conversation on this podcast, and I think a lot of people on Twitter, and you know, just with the fantasy football aspect, just the wide receiver position is just going to be one that people are really in tune with and with what's going on. And I think the two guys everyone was penciling in to start the year as the starters, the young guys, Dante Pettis and Debo Samuel, they started off somewhat slow, which is, more expected for the rookie in Debo than it is for Pettis, who I think everybody's expecting to be the breakout candidate in this offense. I've seen some better reports about Pettis with a couple of uh, the most recent practices, but what have you seen from those guys? Do you think they're still in line to be the starters? The veterans aren't going to go away. There's so many guys that have an opportunity to make the roster. Is there a leader in the clubhouse for you now after a couple of weeks? Yeah, I mean, that's sort of the thing is that um, on any given day, you'll, you'll see a, a receiver looking good. It'll be, you know, Kendrick Bourne on Tuesday, Jordan Matthews the next day. Um, what, what you haven't seen is that, that consistency. You haven't want, seen one guy really sort of declare himself as the number one, and, and that's what I think that this team needs. They need somebody to um, sort of seize the opportunity, and I think that Kyle Shanahan believes that uh, Pettis is going to become that guy eventually. Um, you know, one of the reasons why Pettis and D. 
Devo Samuel don't always jump out and practice. They're going up against Akella Witherspoon and, and Richard Sherman quite a bit. So, you know, it's easier to make plays against Dante Johnson and, say, Greg Maben uh, than it is the, uh, the starting unit. So I think that's part of it. Um, you know, comfort with uh, Garoppolo is another part of it. You know, if, if Garoppolo is a little bit rusty, the uh, the number ones are going to look the same. So I think the second week, I, I think the preseason is going to show that a little bit more. But like I said, uh, it's it's uh, sort of ironic. I think it's uh, a tough decision to get down to six uh, receivers, but there's not uh, one or two that – you look at and you say to yourself, oh, yeah, those guys are the starters, and that's what uh, they, they need to uh, develop these last two and a half weeks of training camp. Yeah, it's almost as if it's gotten closer with those eight guys stacked together, and which is awesome. It's going to be a fun competition to watch, and I can't wait to see those guys and how targets and snaps are dispersed in the preseason. But I want to get a little bit technical with you here and ask about how they're lining up and how they're being used in practice. Kyle Shanahan mentioned this week, that the roles were sort of flipped from what I expected, and Shanahan had spoken even after the draft that it was Debo that was more like the Pierre Garçon in that old uh, flanker, the old Z role, and it was Pettis last year working at the X position with Marquise Goodwin, but he said that is actually Debo playing X receiver. Does that mean Pettis has been lining up exclusively at the Z spot? Yeah, I don't know whether it's as simple as that they've switched up the letters or what, but, um, you know, that that's... Uh... That that was a bit of a uh, a puzzler to me as well, and it was Debo Samuel who said that the other day that he's playing X and uh, Dante Pettis is playing Z. And last year Dante Pettis played X, so uh, I'm a little bit uh, I, I'm hoping to get some clarity. That was after Shanahan spoke on Sunday, and uh, today uh, Monday is an off day, so Shanahan speaks again tomorrow, and I'm hoping to get some clarity on that. But um, yeah, that that is different than. Uh, what we thought going into camp, and um, also different than what Samuel was doing at the Senior Bowl. He was lining up at that Z position right. when he looked so good down in Mobile, Alabama, which makes me think that why would they, you know, what, why would they uh, they change that when the guy was already somewhat familiar at it and, and very good at it uh, at, at an earlier stage. And then you have the third wide receiver position, the F position that you talked about a little bit on your. Most recent mailbag, theathletic.com. Everything Matt writes and puts up there is definitely worth checking out. It was Jalen Hurd who said he's been working out at two positions, learning two positions, the Z or the flanker spot and the F. And the F could be a lot of different things in the 49ers offense. The F could be Kyle Juszczyk. You could be lining up in the backfield. The F could be Trent Taylor, who's very much not a fullback, and he's lined up in the slot as a wide receiver. Have you seen Hurd playing more of the Taylor role than the Juszczyk role? Or has he been doing a little bit of both, looking a little... H backy in his time with the 49ers? No, it's been mostly slotty. I mean, he he's mostly been lining up in the slot whenever they're in three wide receiver sets and um you know, that's what he's going to be this year. I I think that that's the uh the plan for him is to teach him that slot receiver role this year and then perhaps do more with that in years to come, but you can see, you know, the you know, sort of the evolution of him when you realize that, okay, you know, Trent Taylor on one down is the F, but Ross Dwelling on the next down is the F. It depends on what personnel package they have in. But if you had a guy like Hurd, who's sort of a quasi-tight end uh, wide receiver, that would give them more an element of, of surprise that, uh, you know, defenses couldn't predict 
what the play call is based on the personnel group. And, and that's the whole point is, uh, you know, to bring in a guy who can do a little bit of everything. And uh, I'll tell you what, I mean, uh, the reason why he got into those fights uh, early on in camp is because he was doing a good job blocking downfield. And, uh, you know, that, that, that sort of bodes well for uh, what his role will be if he does get, you know, moved to tight end. And, you know, his title will be tight end, but he'll be doing a lot of different stuff. I mean, lining up in the backfield sometimes, lining up in, uh, you know, as a slot receiver, I think it's going to be a lot uh, closer to uh, Delaney Walker's role in Tennessee or, or with the 49ers than Maybe it was uh, Vernon Davis, for example, when when he was here. When it comes to cutting down this roster and it comes to those wide receivers, if they do keep six like they have in the past, my guy Richie James has been making plays in practice. Uh, Has he earned any more looks? And is he still looking like the number one kick returner? Because if he is, I think that would help his chances at making the roster, whereas a guy like Marquise Goodwin doesn't have much special teams value, and even Kendrick Bourne, who's shown the ability to get open and catch the football, which is really important and is usually enough to make the roster on its own. He's not you know, a special teams stalwart as a returner or a coverage guy, even though he's done it a little bit. And then you have the veteran Jordan Matthews in there. I mean, you can't cut or trade both veteran wide receivers in Matthews or Goodwin, right? Yeah, I, I would think that they would want to keep uh, at least one of those guys. I mean, that's why they signed Matthews is because he is experienced and, and reliable. Um, yeah, uh, Richie James is one of the kick returners. He's also one of the punt returners. Um, he had that job to himself uh, for a big stretch of last season, but uh, eventually lost it to, back to uh, Trent Taylor when, when Taylor returned from his injury. And um, I agree with you. I mean, you, you get a lot of bang for your buck with Richie James. Um, you know, he went through all of last season without being injured, which is a, a big deal on this team. Um, you know, uh, my my issue with James is that I, I felt like he had an opportunity to really seize a role on this team, and he never was able to do that. Uh, he, he eventually lost both the slot receiver role and the punt returner role to uh, back to Trent Taylor, even when Taylor wasn't yet 100% returned from his uh, his back injury. Um, so James has has looked good. Uh, you know, the, the the beauty of Richie James is that he can do the slot work and he's got the long speed to play the same role that Marquise Goodwin does. So um, you would think that if if James really turned it on, there there would be two guys that he could potentially. Uh, leapfrog in the pecking order. One would be Goodwin, and one would be Trent Taylor. Trent Taylor has looked really good, so I, I don't think that that's happening. Uh, Goodwin, uh, I feel like the 49ers uh, were a little bit exasperated with him last year. Um, if he wasn't 100% healthy, then they weren't really getting quality snaps out of him, and that's why they want to sort of reduce his role this year, so that when he does go into the game, he is feeling 100%. So, you know, with that as the background, I, I feel like it is possible for for James to overtake him. I, I just don't know if uh, James is good enough and if they've lost enough faith in Marquise Goodwin for that to actually happen. That is Matt Barrows. You can find all of his work at theathletic.com. Follow him on Twitter at Matt Barrows. Matt I look forward to your clarification when you talk to Shanahan next about the X, Y, Z, and Fs. And don't forget to lube up. <laughs> I will. That's the first thing I do uh, every day. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. Take care, man. Good talking to you. All right. Thanks, Brian. Talk to you soon.
Thanks again to Matt Barrows. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Be back tomorrow, another Winky Wednesday, right here on Locked On 49ers.